of Insight Times. So we take members from Alberta's political world, have a quick drink with them and just talk about whatever's going on. And today we are sticking around in the Edmonton mayoral candidate side of things. And we bring on a former councillor, um, Michael Ostry. How are you doing today? Hey, Aaron, I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Other than the obvious of the Oilers being out of the playoffs already, that was unexpected, but I've been an Oiler fan long enough. I guess I can live with it. <laughs> I've been an Oiler fan my whole life too. And, uh, you know, I lived through the good years and now I guess I'm paying for it through the bad years, but it's, uh, I'm optimistic <laughs> every year, next year, I'm telling you, they're going to do it next year. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, <laughs> really quick, I guess, before we get going into the, uh, platform side of things, tell me what we're drinking today. Oh, well, we're drinking, I don't know, do we hold it to the camera? It's Go right uh, ahead. I brought the bottle. It's Hanson's double gin. I don't know if that's going to work on the camera pretty well, but there you go. Oh, I got it. Local distil- distillery. So I, uh, and I'm just to be very clear, I don't usually drink gin at two o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> uh, I think it's the queen's favorite drink is my, I think she has a drink of gin and tonic every, uh, every day at lunch I read years ago, but anyway, um, yeah, it's a local uh, distillery in town. I think I'm supposed to, I don't know if I was supposed to bring a beer, but I decided to do a gin and tonic today. Honestly, the nice thing is, is that everybody brings on something a little different. The very first one we had was a wine. Somebody else brought on a mixed drink. We've done a few beers. So you know what? We've even gone non-alcoholic. So it's more about the person on than whatever the drink is. So no, absolutely. I got a chance to go visit uh, Hanson's on uh, Thursday afternoon before we recorded just to chat with them. They're actually really friendly. So if you get a chance to go down, make sure you say hi. Uh, I've got the same here. So before we get going, cheers and uh, thanks for being on. That's actually really nice. I'm not generally a gin drinker either, but that's got some really nice uh, fruity floral notes on it. Yeah, I'm, I quite enjoy a gin and tonic from time to time. Well, might have to add it to the list. Anyway, so uh, before we get going, how's everything been? You've been out of politics now for about four years. So uh, what's life looked like since you left uh, City Hall in 2017? Um, yeah, it's been pretty, you know, it's, I've been busy. It's been interesting. I've been, um, you know, I still, I still own my company. So I'm, I sit on the board of that. And so I've been doing a lot of uh, work with that. And then as well, I started a new business venture, um, which is, uh, another a finance company that finances infill builders, typically smaller builders. They have a hard time accessing capital for their construction projects. It's, uh, uh, you know, banks don't like to, to pre-fund that because it's quite risky. And so I've, uh, created a company that does that. And then I've been sitting on a couple of other boards around town in Edmonton, one being the U, uh, University of Alberta Hospital Foundation, and which is the biggest foundation board, I think, in, in Edmonton for sure, Northern Alberta. And then, um, and then I'm also on the Business Link, which is a Alberta organization that really helps start, um, you know, entrepreneurs and people looking to get into starting a new business. And it's, you know, funded by levels of the provincial government and uh, Western Canada diversification and, and uh, does a lot of good work for the, you know, startup type people in the business community. So what you're saying is you've been pretty busy. <laughs> I've been pretty busy. I'm not one to sit around. Uh, you know, so, so yeah, that's, I've been pretty busy. That's not a bad thing at all. So I guess kind of the natural question kind of flowing from that is having been in city hall for four years and you kind of step away for a little bit, why is the time to come back and why is the time now to try and approach the mayor seat? Yeah. You know, it's just a really critical time for the city. You know, there's obviously lots of challenges and, uh, uh, and especially around the economy and, and how that's affecting and going to be affecting uh, businesses and, and people. And, um, you know, I've got a unique skill set because I understand how the city works. I was there for four years. 
uh, but I'm not a career politician. You know, I've built um, pretty big businesses. So I understand what, what it takes to start up a business and build it all the way up to a multinational corporation. And uh, it's just critical now that the city is set up for the future. And uh, I just think I'm unique, um, uniquely positioned. I know how to, how to make different decisions and build a team and getting, get everybody on the same uh, page generally. Um, and we need some actions. And so I, I just thought, you know, it's, it's time to, time to step up, step up um, in a big way and, and uh, decided to run. Fair enough. Well, I guess uh, in the time away, if you've decided to take the run, you've obviously been watching City Hall for some time while you've been away. So I guess what have you sort of been seeing in City Hall since your departure that you think could be done a little differently? Well, you know, the city's been, you know, talking a lot about sort of visionary things and really big picture things, which is all good, but without a pragmatic plan going forward, you know, um, you're not going to achieve much. And so there's been a lot of sort of big, big high level talk about lots of things that some of them don't even affect a municipal level type government. Uh, and, you know, it's really time for us to, to take some actions on, on, on a lot of these things. Um, and because of that, you know, we've also been spending a lot of money talking about a lot of the stuff. When I left city council in 2017, the budget was 2.8 billion about, and now it's 3.2 billion, uh, four years later. So, you know, the economy hasn't grown that fast. Uh, the budget's grown exponentially. And so I just think we have to, uh, rein it in a bit and really focus on some of the important issues that the city has uh, going forward. So I guess thinking on the high level vision for the city, kind of how do you want to approach that? Because obviously whoever ends up taking the mayor's seat, regardless of whatever jurisdiction they're in, that's going to be the big thing with the changes in financing, especially we look at the provincial government, they've sort of reined back MSI and LGFF and municipalities are going to be getting a lot less money over the coming years from the provincial government. So how do we make up for that? Well, I don't think you're going to be able to make up for it. Um, and you're also going to get less money likely from the federal government. I think they're going to realize how much they've been spending over the last uh, year and a half through COVID, which, you know, some of it is is all good. Uh, some of it I've got a bit of, challenge, a bit of a challenge with. But generally speaking, you're going to have uh, less money to operate as a municipal government, period. Uh, and that's likely going to be the case going forward for a few years. And so, you know, I just think we have to really prioritize uh, the things that we spend money on and not spend money on everything uh, and pick and choose, like, uh, winners, unfortunately, projects and things that really are going to move the needle, uh, and and uh, and focus on those things. And we can't, unfortunately, do everything anymore for everybody. And and we're going to have to just be a little bit smarter with our our limited resources. Well, and I think that's kind of going to be the case for everybody. We have to figure out how to do a little more with a little less, and trying to be a little bit more efficient in different ways. So I guess. With that being said, outside of the budget and everything else, you kind of mentioned the high level vision for the city prior. So if you were to come into City Hall in 2021, what does that high level vision of the city look like? By the way, I quite enjoying drinking <laughs> politics. I'm not sure I've ever done this before. You know. It's nice, isn't it? It can be a little dangerous uh, drinking and politicking, but uh, as long as you're reining it in, you're okay. I think one, I think one, one will be fine. <laughs> And now I totally forgot your question. I think so. You, so your, was your question what What will I do? Come, come. Essentially, up? high level vision for the city come twenty twenty one. If you're elected yeah. in October. So, um, you know, we've got sort of four themes that we're working with. So number one is we've got to deal with the economic recovery and and getting the city's finances back in order. Uh, that's, you know, without without a strong economy, without spending money appropriately, we're just we're just not going to have the resources to deal with some of the social issues, um, which are pretty substantial. And so we've got to make sure everyone's everybody's working. Everyone has a has a job. Uh, the economy is operating at a nice, nice click 
clip. Um, and so there's just a, there's going to be a lot of effort uh, on, on that area. Um, and then, you know, secondly, we've got to make sure that the city administration and the city, well, unions, I guess everybody, everybody's in this, has to be in this together. And we have to really um, uh, focus on the, on the really, the services that really a municipality should be focused on. You know, everyone's trying to do good things. The, the, the people that involved with the unions, the people involved with the administration, you know, they're good people. They're all trying to do good things, and but they end up trying to do a bit too much given the resources and given what a mandate of a city government is. So we have to really focus those uh, groups um, and city council on, on really the priorities that a municipal government should be focused on. Uh, thirdly, you know, there's, there's been a lot of capital expenditures on in Edmonton on LRT and big rec centers and these really big projects. And, you know, it's time that the neighborhoods get some love. In and so, you know, we're talking a lot about uh, capital expenditures in neighborhoods. So for relatively small price, I know it still sounds like a big dollar, but for two or $3 million, you know, projects instead of two or $300 million projects, if you had, you know, tens of those projects around the city, just think about what that can do for the vibrancy of the city. So things like, and things that, pe that people living in many different neighborhoods have been waiting for, for, for a decade or more. So bike parks, dog, off-leash dog parks, um, you know, things like that, that we, playgrounds, I mean, all those types of things that will really enhance neighborhoods. They've been left out while we've been spending money on, on big capital projects. So I do think that's, that's really a, a, a key piece. And then, um, the last piece that we're the last sort of theme of, of the campaign going forward is what we're calling Edmonton for everyone. So we understand and I understand, uh, I totally understand that there's people that have been left behind and there's people that haven't enjoyed the same successes that I've been fortunate to enjoy. And so with all these things that I just talked about, the economic recovery, jobs, uh, all these types of things, it has to be for everybody. And so we have to make sure that we address all of our social challenges of which there's many in that theme, there's many underlying issues that we have to address. Um, and so we have to have a strong economy that we can then go ahead and address those, those challenges. Perfect. So let's start kind of right at the beginning there then, because you sort of mentioned right at the start that smart financial spending and making sure people are taken care of is kind of priority number one. Um, with Edmonton, we have a rare situation that we have very similar concerns to what we see in Calgary, which is our downtown revitalization, because we're seeing, I think the last number I saw was 20% uh, high rise vacancy for businesses in downtown in Q1 this year. So I guess, what are we going to be doing to try and attract new businesses here? but also at the same time, how are we going to be supporting the ones who are still here in the present moment? Well, you know, it's, it's a really complicated question. My, my plan going forward is, uh, is, and not in order of importance, just of course, I'll, I'll issue a few points here. So number one is, is downtown. You know, we have to do something about the challenges in downtown. So we have challenges with homelessness and affordable housing, which I'll talk about in a minute. Uh, and that leads to, um, you know, we've got to deal, we have to deal with those people in, a, in, in an appropriate way. We have to provide services for them and housing for them and all those sorts of things. We also then have to, in turn, make sure that the city is safe or felt safe for people that are coming downtown. And we have to program downtown because we want people to get there and we have to allow people to get there by any means they want. So people want to come by the LRT, Great. If they want to ride their bike, great. If they want to drive, great. Want to walk, great. And so we have to make sure that they can come down and then we have to program it so people want to come down and 
ultimately spend money on you know stores and restaurants and that sort of thing and then we have to deal with the with the uh the vacancy rates and the con you know condos and and buildings you know my the company that i started has in edmonton twenty five thousand square feet in downtown edmonton and so we you know we haven't had our employees downtown since covid started and we're obviously going to be bringing them back at some point um so we have to make sure that um you know that that's ready for everybody when 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 things reopen and uh and you know we have to we're, and there's going to be some challenges with, with commercial vacancy rates there's going to be challenges with residential vacancy rates so we just really have to spend a lot of time thoughtful time about downtown um, we also have to encourage the the business sectors you know the small and medium-sized companies which in edmonton is the backbone of our economy really haven't gotten any loving from city hall in the last many years and so that really is what drives our economy we can talk about the tech sector which is sort of the flavor of the day not in a negative way but it's three percent of the economy in edmonton right now and so we've got to deal with the small medium-sized companies make sure that they can uh, the city just lets them do what they want to do within rules but as efficiently as possible as far as permitting and that sort of thing um, and just giving them as much support as possible and then the tech sector, which is obviously the up and coming sector, you know, Edmonton is no different than every other city in the world. They're trying to make it a tech hub. You know, we've got a lot of interesting companies here. We've got a huge advantage with the University of Alberta and Nate, uh, which we don't, which we need to spend some more time on. We don't do a good enough job uh, leveraging those relationships. Uh, and so the tech sector itself, we also have to do a better job at Edmonton. Um, and Calgary is starting to do a better than we are and, and we're not competing with calgary we're competing with the world and so we have to make sure that the the tech sector in edmonton is viable and growing um and then we also have to help the companies that want to in, uh, incorporate technology into their existing businesses so there's lots of um decent sized companies that are now turning into technology companies more so and and there's ways that the city can help to to leverage the local tech tech expertise to put them in in into there and then ultimately we have to make sure that people are working so um i'm talking about all these sort of things of a downtown maybe a technology thing but at the end of the day there's lots of people in edmonton and elsewhere that have either lost their jobs or or, or hours or or many challenges over the last year and a half and we have to make sure that our economy turns around and gets those people uh, employed and employed well um, so they can contribute you know obviously have a great life and then contribute to the economy of the city yeah no that's totally fair and the one thing you had mentioned as well is sort of touching on that uh, homeless population making sure they're taken care of so one of the things that we've seen under uh, Mayor Iveson's tenure is that there's a big emphasis on that and unfortunately we didn't reach the goal of eliminating homelessness in the city but I guess going forward, do you sort of see yourself following the lead that he had, or did you have a completely different vision for how to approach that idea? Um, yeah, I've got a bit of a different um, vision on this. You know, we're not going to end homelessness. Homelessness has been around for thousands of years. It's going to continue to do so. People will always fall into homelessness, unfortunately. But what we have to do is we have to make sure that those periods are rare for those people and non-reoccurring and brief and not chronic and so we have to you know I'm, I'm getting a little impatient talking about this ending homelessness and sort of these big picture ideological visions and we really need to have some pragmatic solutions about what we're actually going to do about the problem you know i know we're 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 begging the province and the federal government for money for housing and we've got some money not enough but we've got some and we need to start doing a better job operating those facilities and putting money into it, if, even if it's not our jurisdiction, if we think it's actually important, which we haven't been doing. And so I think we just have to do um, we have to do more for those people. We can do better, like having people sleep, sleep in an alley is just not it's just uh 
I don't even know how to put that. It's 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 not not it's not right. It's 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 awful, right? So we have to just make sure that we come up with some more um, focused solutions to 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 help those people directly. I firmly believe that. I, you know, it's something. You know, and in my campaign, I'm surrounding myself with some experts in that field, and so we're going to be coming out with some very um, firm action plans in the weeks ahead. Cool. Well, we'll stay tuned for that. Uh, another thing I heard you mention when you're kind of talking about your overarching platform ideas is you're talking about uh, putting in those smaller projects, the two to three to million dollar things. So uh, just kind of looking off your website, they're talking about uh, dog parks, new playgrounds and other things along those lines. Um, so I guess the question I have with that, because if we're going to be trying to focus on spending, how do we make sure that this small projects can still maintain or be started while still making sure that our high capital expenses are still funded adequately. Yeah. Well, you know, um, you know, we have a lot of debt on the books right now at the city. Um, and, um, you know, some of it, you know, I would say most of it's probably appropriate, but, but we, but we do have some, there's always, we do have, there's always a, a recurring capital budget, right? So there's always capital expenditures that happen every year. And so that's why to do some of these smaller projects is not going to break is not going to break the bank of the city and the operating the the um the operating dollars on that capital money over time is also going to be affordable and so you know it's going to be challenging to start spending hundreds of millions of dollars on big projects but you spend a you know you spend a bunch of these little projects for you know making up this number but you know one two three million dollars mm-hmm. and the city's going to be able to afford it and not only that it'll let city council actually uh, and councillors decide what's needed in their ward so you know it's also going to decentralize the decision making from the mayor's office into the into the councilor's office, which I think has been, uh, which I think is is been lacking, and I think is going to be very helpful. And so they'll be able to reach out to their communities, um, come up with plans of what's needed uh, using a dog park. You know, I heard an idea which is interesting about a BMX track, for example, in the River Valley, something like that. That you know, just so just you know, so I don't know specifically what it's going to end up being, but you know, but I, I just I just try to imagine what the city's like if it's got forty. You know, for $100 million, let's say, which sounds like a crazy big number, but in the scheme of the city's capital budget, you know, you could have 30 or 40 of these things around the city and just think what that does for the vibrancy of neighborhoods, the vibrancy of the city, making the city just an interesting place. You know, I think we talked about the economic recovery earlier, and I'm going in a bit of a tirade here, but I care about this stuff. <laughs> um, you know, we, we talk about the economic recovery, but a lot of that is trying to attract and keep people here. You know, we're, we're never going to be the city that's with maybe a few exceptions, we're not going to be attracting existing companies to move here. What we are going to be able to do is get people that graduate out of the U of A or Nate who just want to live here because it's a really cool, interesting place with all these cool little things around town. And then they're going to ultimately start or work in these interesting businesses. And that's how you build a vibrant tech sector, a vibrant business center. So these little capital projects um, is are, is one tool that we can have to just make the city you know more livable and more interesting and people want to stick around and the neighborhoods are, are, are more interesting for people and and uh, go from there. And that's one thing that I always find really interesting about doing these conversations so early in a campaign because the platforms are still being flushed out. There's still some ideas being done, but kind of the overarching sense I'm getting from what you're saying is you kind of want to run a city that's about options, whether you want to, like you said, commuting to the city, whether it be bus, transit, or bike, car, whatever the case is, but also different options for different communities you're in. Yeah, yeah, you know, not every community is the same, you know, and people aren't the same and people want to make their own decisions. And, 
somebody wants to take the LRT to get around, um, great. If they want to drive, great. You know, we still have, I think the stat is about 75% of people still drive as their primary source of transportation, likely going to be the case for still years to come. You know, at some point in the future, who knows, but we, we, we can't forget about that. Some people ride their bike. I've got no problem with with that. Some people walk, and you know, and people live in different neighborhoods for different reasons. And so people choose. Some people like living in the suburbs. You know, they want a cul-de-sac. They want a quiet street. They want a ba- a bigger backyard, um, or they want a new house that's more affordable. Um, you know, that kind of thing. Some people want to live in the in the in the mature neighborhoods because they want to. You know, maybe a bigger lot. They don't care if it's an older house, and they want to be able to ride their bike more often. And and some people want to live downtown because they don't want to have a car and they want to take the train and you know so so the fact is people having a, a diverse choice of housing a diverse choice of activities a, a diverse choice of transportation um it's great i think that's how you that's how you really build a vibrant city everybody's different everyone's got their own views of the world and and nobody's wrong um when it comes to this sort of thing and so we have to build as much as we can for for a wide variety of people Totally. And kind of going back to that transit piece too, because for some reason, Edmonton, the transit argument, something that comes up every single election and every single week, as a matter of fact, uh, I know the city just rolled out their new pilot program for their new bus routes and everything. It's sort of been getting mixed results and, but transit in the city has always been sort of an issue. So how would you look at tackling that, making it a little bit more efficient in the future? Well, the new transit plan is out and been around for, I think, what, about a month or something, two months, maybe? Around that. About that. Um, yeah, so we've got to just try it out, you know, um, try it out, see how it goes. I'm sh- it's not perfect, I'm sure. Uh, tweak it when necessary. Um, and worst case scenario, you've got to go back. But I, I think that's unlikely going to be the case. I think there's just going to be changes in- into it. But you can't be doing the same thing we've been doing historically because transit's expensive, it, low ridership. You know, everyone sees empty buses driving around town from time to time. And so, you know, this city spent a lot of time and money and effort um, looking at a different way of doing it. It came up with this solution after consulting with everybody, all the stakeholders. So I think it's the right thing to do to try it. Um, but I also think it's the wrong thing to do to say, this is how we're going to do it going forward for the next five years or 10 years. That's also wrong. You've got to say, look, we're trying it out. We're going to give it a period of time. We'll adjust it as necessary. Uh, maybe make some minor changes down the road, maybe make some major changes down the road, but you've got to, you know, you've got to be, you've got to be a little bit risk. You got to be less risk adverse, try some new things and see if they work better. So I'm optimistic the new transit plan will be, will be better. And if it's, uh, if it has challenges, I'm, I'm uh, hopeful that, well, I'm sure if I get in there, we'll make, make sure that those challenges are addressed. Well, fingers crossed, especially like, kind of like you said, we want to make sure that people can get around how they need to. So the more options they have at the end of the day, it's going to be better for everybody involved. Um, so kind of one thing I want to touch with you really quick, just because again, you are a former counselor of the city of Edmonton. You've been there, you've done that, you've done the campaign thing. Um, this time we're going to see things quite a bit differently because we've seen the UCP kind of tackle the third party advertising when it comes to municipal politics. And we've also seen contribution rules change. So as someone who's sort of been there, done that, how do you anticipate that impacting how you campaign this year? Well, I think actually COVID, the COVID challenges are going to be a bigger impact than that, in my opinion. Um, That's fair. You know, I'm a very political centralist, I'll say, you know, I have no ideological preference. I just make decisions on what I think is the best uh, based on the evidence that I that I get and people that I surround myself with, which is a diverse group. It's not a all business people, for example, that people might think I've got people that are, you know, involved with the cities. I mentioned affordable housing and homeless department. I've got I've got all sorts of variety of different people. And so. Um, so, um, yeah, so 
based on based on that, I'm going to make I'm going to make the the decisions that I that I think are best. As far as the campaigning goes, you know, um, you know, I know the UCP and the NDP are both sniffing around and trying to affect municipal uh, government governments, and I think it's just a disaster. Um, so I have nothing to do with any of those groups or any anybody else. I haven't reached out or talked to anybody from them yet, uh, nor am I planning to. If they reach out, I'll talk to anybody. But but um, but I think having them trying to get involved in municipal level government is just a, a terrible idea. The best thing about municipal government is there's, you know, in Edmonton's case, 13 people that are going to make decisions based on hopefully the best evidence in their perspectives of those issues. And so from a campaign perspective, uh, campaigning perspective, you know, that's not going to be a factor. I don't think in Edmonton, I've, I've heard that the slate and, you know, some of those issues in Calgary might be a bit more, but in Edmonton so far, it's been fairly quiet, not hundred percent, but fairly quiet, but I actually don't know because I'm not really involved. And then the fundraising, you know, um, the fundraising, I think is going to be more challenging for two friends. One is the non, you know, the individual only donations is going to be challenging and a bit more challenging and, and the, um, and, uh, and COVID and the, just the general economics of the province and the city is going to be more challenging. People are going to be less um, likely to donate or less likely to donate a similar amount as maybe they did before, or, you know, so I think it'll be a bit hard, harder to raise money, but, uh, but I, but we, we're, we're doing fine. And I think, um, I think it'll be, it'll be fine because good candidates attract volunteers and good candidates attract money. And, you, you know, whether you like it or not, you need money in order to pay for things in a campaign. Yep. So um, it's just a, it's just a, a necessary part of the process, uh, but we're finding it's actually fine where we're getting, we're getting uh, pretty broad support financially and getting broad support volunteer wise and people willing to step up. So long story short, after my big ramble there, I actually don't think it's going to be all that, uh, um, all that uh, difficult that it has been in the past. No, and fair enough. And I was actually just about to ask you how the uh, campaigns have been going, but I think you actually touched on it pretty well. So I guess what's the biggest adjustment been with COVID other than I sort of saw on your website, you mentioned that you haven't been able to go around and shake hands or anything, but how's it been different otherwise? Yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm a rule follower. So I, I, barely leave my house these days. Um, <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I've been doing a lot of campaigning like this um, or with groups on Zoom for now. Um, you know, when things open up, I'll, I'll get out there um, as much as possible um, within the rules to do that. You know, I had to do my launch. You know, even it's funny, even when I was planning on doing our launch and then literally the rules changed <laughs> right after we had our, our our plan to do it outside at a, at a at a location at a you know patio kind of thing and then we had to literally change it and do it in my living room so um yeah you just have to adjust with how things with the, what the rules are um based on on what the the province and the city is, is deciding is the best for everybody uh, but once things open up which i'm hopeful will happen in various stages of the summer i'm I'm going to be going back to old school uh, um, campaigning and hitting doors and, and meeting with as many people in person as possible. Fair enough. Well, you've been awesome with your time. I greatly appreciate it. Before I let you go, uh, 30 second elevator pitch. Why should Edmonton uh, vote for you to be mayor in 2021? Um, well, thanks, Aaron. And thanks for having me. You know, I, I really think I'm the I'm a unique candidate. I really do understand how city government works without being there for decades. And, um, you know, I don't need the job. I'm, I'm really trying to do this for the betterment of the city. You know, my my business, I'll say acumen, you know, from starting startup businesses all the way to companies in multiple jurisdictions and hundreds of employees, I really understand the economics of how the world works and, and, and what's appropriate to be spending money on. And lastly, I've got a relationship with all of the city councilors that are likely gonna be there. Um, 
going forward when I get in there. So I'm very much a team player. I don't need to take the credit. I've gotten a point in my life. I, you know, other people are going to take the credit. No problem with that. I'm just going to try to clear as many hurdles so everybody there can be successful and that hopefully we can align in a similar agenda to move the city forward. And we've got big, big challenges and we really need some somebody who's got the experience to, to lead that team to get us out of this and help the city prosper. So, um, so it's become just uh, even a more awesome place for people to live. Well, I think we can all agree that Edmonton is great, but we can always do a little bit more. So, Michael, thank you so much for coming on. It's great to have a conversation with you. Uh, best of luck with the rest of the way, and we'll uh, chat again soon. Cheers, Aaron. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Bye-bye.